Eternal Kingdom is written by Michelle Roger. This book is edited by Brendan McWilliams. Sound engineered by Steve Nett of Computer Room Services. Graphic novel drawn by Tom Duncan. Music composed, performed, and recorded by Michelle Roger. Eternal Kingdom, Chapter 11. Thank you, Kevin. Having the wake here really helped Riley. Sarah smiled, holding back tears. You two really were a great research team. Kevin nodded. Riley's welcome anytime, he managed to say without tears. Where is Riley? I'd like to tell her a proper goodbye. Rose was serving tea to guests in the living room. Kevin peered at her from around the corner. Have you seen Riley? in the garden playing chess. Riley playing chess was not at all surprising. She had been playing every night with her father since she was three. Riley playing chess must have been a comfort to her, and God bless the soul who sat patiently across from her and took a guaranteed beating. It never occurred to him to think it odd that Riley was playing chess outside, her opponent unable to enter the home until its owner invited him in. He also didn't think to find it odd that the girl had no qualms playing in the garden, at night, in the dark. As Kevin strolled into the garden to collect Riley, he took in the light scent of Delta's roses. Soon his feet were carrying him faster to the candlelit patio, as he tried to dismiss the next smell that permeated his senses. His instincts kicked into overdrive, and his only thought was to protect Riley. Uncle Kevin, Riley beamed as he reached the slate patio. Riley, your mother is looking for you and it's time to go, Kevin said sternly. Okay, I'm almost done with the game. No, right now. Your mother's very tired. Riley looked both surprised and hurt at Kevin's tone. As the man with his back to Kevin turned around, Kevin gasped. His tough demeanor melted away, fear taking hold of him. Kevin went to Riley and hugged her as tears ran down her face. I didn't mean to yell at you, Riley, he whispered. He soon picked her up as she clung to Kevin like a little girl to her father. I will arrange it with your mother. You can come here and play tomorrow night. Riley picked her head up with a slight smile. Promise? I promise, Kevin assured her. Now run in and find your mother, because she's waiting. When Riley was safely away, Kevin turned to Micah. He was wild with anger and extreme toll of loss. Pounding his fist on the table, he knocked all the chess pieces over, some toppling to the patio floor. How dare you come here? How dare you talk to her? Her father, Micah stopped Kevin. I know all about what happened. I also know the likelihood of you listening to me and trusting what I might have to offer is still small to nil. Still, I'm the best option for you and the ones whom you're hiding. You are my worst nightmare, Kevin said, shaking with emotion. Sometimes our worst option is still the best when you look at the larger picture. Micah paused, sensing someone else in the garden. And you've run out of time and options, haven't you, tree trunks? Robbie came into the candlelight, 
Sorry, Professor, I got worried when you didn't come back inside. Micah clicked his tongue in disapproval. You may be the king for the human side, but right now you're the king who is about to forfeit without a full team. And if you read the fine print I'm sure your manager never pointed out, a forfeit means instant and immediate death. Robbie looked to Kevin. Kevin shook his head no. But Robbie continued to stare at the professor. They both knew whatever Micah had to offer. It had to be considered. When Helen awoke, her mind searched for something familiar. The light, the sounds, and even her own body felt unfamiliar to her. She ached when she tried to sit up. The floor beneath her was cold and hard. Hello? She tried to call out into the darkness. There was no reply. As she strained to stand up, the ceiling, completely invisible in the blackness, collided with the top of her skull. Helen crumpled to her knees, tears pooling in her eyes and a nausea churning in her stomach. She listened for a long while. How long? She didn't know. With no light, no sound, and no one to ask, eternity could have been five minutes, or five hours, or five days. She tried counting. Every time she made it to an even pace to 60, she raised a finger. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30. The numbers lulled her back to sleep, or at least she thought so. When sleeping and waking are both swirled in a sea of sensory deprivation, one's dreams become reality. Helen dreamed that she heard a woman's voice. Then a sliver of yellow light shined inside, blinding her. Two small mugs were slid onto a gray tray. Without hesitation, Helen reached for one and drank it greedily. The second glass tasted the same. The dream persisted every day until Helen lost track of the days. Micah arrived at sunset the following evening. Kevin peered through the curtains as he deliberated. Did you decide to invite him in and listen, or should Robbie and I go out into the garden? asked Rose. I know the man who's with him. I'm afraid that I'm a creature of habit and far more human than I care to admit. My curiosity demands that I open the door and Micah knows it. The sun was in its final death throes, but Micah was anxious to get started. As he stood at Kevin's threshold, a light smoke billowed from his exposed neck and hands. Kevin opened the door. He stared both of the men down. George, the only reason I'm letting you into my house is because my wife said you were the most decent human being on the planet, and I never second-guess my wife's judge of character. That being said, Kevin held up a large wooden cross. I won't hesitate to use this. Are we clear, Micah? Micah and George nodded yes, and Kevin invited them in. The smoke rose from Micah's collar, leaving a trail as they made their way to the kitchen table. Delta always said that the kitchen table was where the messy stuff happened because it was the easiest place to clean up. Rose and Robbie were sitting and waiting nervously. Kevin, anxious and openly disapproving of Micah in his home, asked, Before we get started, I want to know what's in this for you. Why help build a team aimed at defeating and killing your own kind? I have my reasons, answered Micah, vaguely at first. He added, but the reasons will see me through to either your win or my death, whichever comes first. 
There was something in Micah's absolute resolve that made Kevin believe him. He didn't want to trust his former student. Somehow Delta had a hand in all of this, and her spirit told him to trust in the most unbelievable of creatures. George extended his hand to both Rose and Robbie. I'm George Halls. Rose stared at the burns on Micah's hands, feeling uncomfortable as she watched the last few seconds of twilight. With the recent death fresh in her mind, the game seemed more real and far deadlier than the last time she had sat across the table from Micah. This is one of your rooks, Micah announced. His counterpart will be arriving in an hour with a few others willing to play the game. The game has been explained to you, Rose asked with a certain amount of doubt in her voice. Clearly, he was a healthy man, probably in his mid-forties. She wondered if he had been tricked into coming himself under false pretenses. I'm fully aware of the life and death stakes, and I'm willing to take them, George answered keenly. My God, why? interrupted Kevin. George gave a half-smile and asked for a beer. Robbie grinned, immediately joining in. Micah protested. Don't drink that. Vampires are attracted to flesh made tender and blood thickened by beer. George and Robbie looked at each other and began to laugh in a macabre of the situation. In that case, George jabbed Robbie, we better make those doubles. As Kevin poured out the pints, George explained, As Kevin can attest, I have dedicated my life to the research of gene therapy, particularly the gene responsible for Alzheimer's. I'm 45 now. I have at least 10 years before I can publish, and another 10 before my gene therapy treatment will be eligible for human trials. That takes me to 65. He paused and took a gulp of his beer, giving Micah a sideways glance as he did so. When my father's Alzheimer's reached a point where he could no longer live alone, he was 62. By the time he was 65, he didn't know if he should eat the round hamburger or the round plate it sat on. Two months ago, my test came back positive. I have the gene marker for Alzheimer's as well. By the time I reach a point where I can save the world from literally losing its mind, the chances are high that the same disease will have already rendered me unable to dress myself, let alone lecture for funding. George stood up and began to pace as if he were working out the logistics in his head. But if I were immortal, he looked at Kevin directly. Think of all the lives we could save and the research we could do. Kevin, think of it. Never getting tired. Never having to take a break. Save shut the curtains to block out the sun. In a hundred years, we could eradicate cancer. In two hundred years, we could wipe out plague and AIDS off the planet. George was rather convincing. Even Rose could see the positive aspects if they won. And the lives you'll take feasting on blood to keep you alive during those two hundred years? Kevin countered. Dr. Kevorkian changed my outlook on the right to die. You know that argument won't hold water with me, George argued. Those we cannot save, we put out of their misery, and you won't convince me otherwise. Nor me, answered a woman, newly arrived, making Rose jump. This is Eleanor, my assistant. She overheard Micah and I talking late last night and has signed on for the same reasons. Signed on? asked Kevin. Contracts and all, Eleanor confirmed. Your nice and bishops arrive in a few hours. 
It's the expendables that I'll have to find next, and those are never very easy, sighed Micah. Expendables? asked Robbie. I imagine you're referring to the players who will be the pawns, the foot soldiers on the front line, so to speak, confirmed Rose sadly. Yes, but I have a lead on those. By tomorrow night, the team will be complete, Micah announced boastfully. He clapped his hands and rubbed them together with a dark sort of anticipation. Everyone but someone to play the bloody game, Robbie pointed out. On the contrary, you have someone trained by the best, who's never played in a chess world and hence is a complete unknown to Cadell. And that's your ace in the hole. Who? asked Kevin. The only person who has the most right to play this game at all. The one who deserves her chance for mere vengeance. Riley is your game master, and you, my dear professor, Kevin, you will be her protector.'